I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stop saying you've run out of hero ships when you haven't done the Cerritos. So we finally listened to that and went, hey, do you know what? We haven't done the Cerritos. And it was a good laugh, wasn't it? Lower Decks, which we've only just watched here in the UK because we absolutely did not have a workaround for when it wasn't available in this country. You've only just seen it really good. I can see what all the fuss is about now. All those ups and downs we did, we were guessing. So that's quite quite fortunate we, we just got it all right. Anyway, though, catching my back to when they first revealed the ship, and you will recall everybody saying, hang on, is this... Is this a new ship for Star Trek, or is it a promotional garden table released to tie in with one of the Next Generation movies? And you know what? I always found that to be a fair comment, because it does look like a garden table released to tie in with one of the Next Generation movies, but there's a good reason for that. It was supposed to. All right, well, not a garden table specifically. I'm kind of getting off, off topic with all of this. It was supposed to hark back to the next generation era of the design. You can see that in the nacelles. You can see that in the saucy. You can definitely see that in the deflector dish. And the reason it looks like a garden table is because it's not supposed to look like a hot rod or have sleek, nice, clean lines. This was a support ship, not one of its flagships. It was meant to have a bit of a... I don't want to call it janky, but certainly an awkward feel to it. <laughs> of course, most of you already knew that, though, and indeed the entire premise of this show is that I tell you things that you don't already know, so we'll just start from there. My name is Adam Cleary, and these are 10 Secrets of the USS Cerritos You Need to Know Desperately. Number 10, California, here we come. Now, I don't know if anybody picked up on this, but the Cerritos was supposed to remind you about the state of California. Cerritos itself is a place in California. It was, of course, a California-class ship. All the other California-class ships were named after places in California. There was various California items hidden across the ship itself, including this in the captain's ready room. A very nice touch that, in my opinion. In fact, there were so many references to California in Lower Decks that if you combined them all together, it would make up the same number as amount of references in 15 seconds of any friggin' Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I wasn't kidding about all the other ships in the class being named after places in California as well. I don't really know too much about the place, but Paul's Paul's written it all down here, so I'm just I'm just gonna re- read it off. Read it off for him. The USS Merced is named after a place in Central California. The USS Alhambra, named after a city in San Gabriel Valley. The USS Rubidoux, named after somewhere in Riverside County. The Solvang is a place near Santa Barbara. And according to him, there's a great Oktoberfest, so I'll have to ever check that out if I'm ever allowed to leave the house. And the reason for that is because Mike McMahon knows California like the back of his hand. He worked there for years, he moved there, he had loads of loads of jobs there, and he wanted to name all these little ubiquitous little ships, these non-grand, non-spectacular 
industry workhorse parts of the fleet after these places in California. He just thought that'd be a nice touch, and it is. In fact, specifically, he named the Cerritos after a car dealership called the Cerritos Auto Square. They've got a very catchy little jingle that shows, Yes, Cerritos! Because, get it? Like, yes, Cerritos? America's weird. Number nine, Old Reliantable. <laughs> Reliant, very good, very good. But looking at the design of Cerritos, it would look right at home next to a Galaxy-class ship and probably look right at home next to a Nebula-class ship as well, the other one invented in the next generation. But apparently the inspiration comes from Mike McMahon's favourite ship in Star Trek, which doesn't really feel very next generation-y. We've given it away with the title of this, but it was the USS Reliant from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and of course later seen in other series of Star Trek. He loved that one, and he kind of wanted the Cerritos to look a bit like it. And the mad thing is, despite the fact that the Reliant is kind of like the opposite of the classic Star Trek design, that the cells are below and it's kind of all very compact instead of long and sleek, it has actually gone on to inspire a lot of different ships in the franchise. Apparently the Nebula class took its inspiration from there originally, the Malachowski class we saw in Discovery took a page from its book, and even the USS Shenzhou itself was supposed to look like the Reliant. So even though it's traditionally not a very Star Trek shape, it is kind of the Star Trek shape. I mean, that said though, the saucer section and the deflector dish are clearly just control C, control V from the Enterprise D itself. So you can see all the different elements combining for that one. Number eight, live and let livery. Paul, you live on the other side of the planet to me, and just sometimes that is a good thing. Now, in a classic callback to Star Trek's greatest ever trope of just reusing all of their props, all of the other California-class ships in Star Trek Lower Decks are identical to the Cerritos, except for one small difference, and that's the colour has been changed on both the LCARS panels and the outside of the ship itself. Basically, it's usually red in Starfleet, but the revelation in Lower Decks is the reason for that is because all the ships you've seen so far are designed for command-based missions. The Cerritos, on the other hand, is purely a support vessel, so it gets yellow, and as a result, all the other support vessels get different colours. But the Merced has blue markings on the outside, clearly saying that it is a science vessel, whereas two of the other ones have red, saying that they are part of the command thing as well. It just Star Trek likes to have that little visual reference point for you, so it's cool they put it on the outside of the ships as well. I absolutely love this one, and I completely missed it the original time watching the show, so LC, ARS, Lacars, whatever you want to call it, has a very, very distinct visual style that we've seen across the next generation, partly in Deep Space Nine, and of course, in Voyager. You know exactly the thing I'm talking about. It looks like this. It is just as Star Trek as Star Trek can be. Now, if you watch Lower Decks, you will see that the ship has been lovingly recreated to look like the ships of that era, and all of its computer consoles are precisely as you would expect them to look. But look a little further, my friends. Look to the walls, look to the floors, look to all the soft furnishings, and you will see that LCARS design transmits across every single thing on that ship. Look at it! That's that's really clever. I want my bed sheets to look like that. That is that is actually that is these are my spare bed sheets, by the way. The good ones are in the wash. So don't be don't be commenting like, oh my god, really Paisley? Oh. Number six, old, but like future old. 
Now, we don't know the exact age or when it launched yet. That's yet to be revealed in Lower Decks. But the fact that this is a junky, old, clapped out, constantly in need of repair ship is one of the long running jokes in this show. Just going to refer specifically to an interview Mike McMahon did with Trek Yards because he kind of explains this better than I would be able to in my usual rambling style. So just let's get a picture of him up. The name of the game on the Cerritos is Functionality. They have to be able to open it up and change it when it's not being used for diplomacy or speed or for battles. What the ship is good at is being taken apart and being utilised. It's kind of like a trusty toolbox. It looks good when it's doing it because it's Starfleet, but that's the mentality behind it. Like a lot of people said initially when they saw the design, they thought Nacelle's being quite weird didn't really fit with it, but McMahon goes on in that interview to say that, well, yeah, it probably isn't even the Nacelle's it was originally designed to have. They've just stuck those on as they've upgraded it over time, which when you think about it is a really nice little design quirk. Number five, overpowered and undergunned. Now at only 20 decks high, the Cerritos is on the smaller side of the ships we've seen in Star Trek. Like, yes, Voyager only had 15, but the Enterprise-E had like 26 or 27, depending on who was speaking. And of course, the Enterprise-A had 78 because they gave Will Shatner a pen and then just left a room. Now, what's interesting about this is that when you're in the saucer section, everything looks small and neat and tight and compact. But when you get into the drive section, everything starts to look big and huge and cavernous. Take, for example, the engine room is a lot more like things we've seen in the Abrams verse. That took 300 takes to say, by the way, because I kept saying it looks far more like the engine verse in the Abrams room. And the reason for that, and again, this comes straight from Mike McMahon's interview with Trek Yards, is because the ship needed to have a lot of power, yet it still needs to be quite a small ship. So if you take a huge engine, which can produce a massive warp core, and you cram everybody into it, next to it, that's kind of going to be really bad. So we need to be separate from the main body of the ship. So yes, when they needed to extend the warp bubble core thing, they could do that. When they need to extend the deflector dish, yes, they could do that. But by and large, most of the time, they just wanted people to be sat away from it. So the design actually reflects the fact it is massively overpowered for its size. Number four, the why of the pylons. Anyway, something that does slightly contradict that whole idea of they wanted to keep people away from the massive power level that it actually had, but is still interesting nonetheless, is how you get from the saucer section to the drive section, because they're not directly connected. Like pretty much every Star Trek ship we've ever had, you sort of look at that and you can see how you would walk from the bridge to the engine room because it's just one big ship and you go where all the windows and the lights are, but it just makes sense. But on the Cerritos, what are you doing? Are you going down the legs? Is there a secret invisible tube? No, again, according to Mike McMahon at Trek Yards, the turbo lift shafts just go down the struts and then through the warp nacelle pylons, which is part of the reason they look the way they do. Like, they're designed to be insulated, they're designed to be protective, so you can safely travel through them without getting electrified. And if you're wondering why there are giant big parts of those pylons cut out, it's because they're not being used for anything. They're just literally turbo lift shafts, so why would you need them filled in? Like, it saves resources, it saves space, it just makes everything lighter, which doesn't really make sense in space. But they don't need to be filled in, so they wouldn't be. Well, I guess it does make sense, because he did go on to say that you want less material that's able to vibrate, which actually does fit with thermo and aerodynamics. So I guess it does make sense, but I still stand by the fact that it looks like garden furniture. Number three, about those dune buggies. Now, one thing that always jumped out at me was the fact that, yes, this looked exactly like it was set right in the middle of the next generation, but it isn't. It's a full 15 years after next so it's like way, way, way in the future. And you look at some of the design choices they made, like for example, the shuttlecraft, they're all boxy and not very sleek and slender. They look exactly like the janky ones they have in the next generation and not the really cool ones they had in Nemesis or in Voyager or things like that. So why? 
Well, the simple reason for that is because there is limited resources in the galaxy. So when Starfleet gets brand new shuttlecraft, they go to your Enterprises and to your Voyagers and to all the other big flagships. What do you think the Cerritos gets? It gets the old stuff because it's still perfectly usable. It just doesn't need to be on the front lines. Like everything, the tricorders, the replicators, the panels, the shuttlecraft, as I mentioned before, the phases, everything. It's just stuff that's been in Starfleet for a long old time. It's not broken, there's no sense throwing it away, it still works, it just doesn't need to be on the Enterprise. That said though, not everything it gets is necessarily old or clapped out, some stuff is still brand new and exciting, just not being used at the minute, hence why they have an Argo Dune buggy. Obviously everybody involved in Star Trek Nemesis was so embarrassed about having that on the ship that they just chucked it to the next support vessel that wanted a Dune buggy. And, well, there it is. Number two, nice aft. Just a really quick, funny one, this. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the emblazoned name bit of the USS Cerritos is not where it is on normal Star Trek ships. It's not at the front, is it? You know, when you get the opening title credits and it's panning around the front and you get to see USS Cerritos. Not, not there, is it? It's on the back of the ship, which is, when you think about it, a really weird place to put it. Reason for that is because, by and large, most people seeing the Cerritos up close aren't going to be in some kind of performative space. They're not going to be glaring at it and marvelling at its wonder. They're going to be getting towed by it. Yep, the majority of times people will need to see the registry and name of that ship is because they're getting towed along by it in a pinch. So they put the registry on the back so that they can see that. Number one, there be dolphins here. <laughs> Oh, it's the best. Generally, what I heard they were doing lower decks, and of course, when you do something animated, all of a sudden, budget is not a problem. You haven't got to think about making sets. You haven't got to think about practicalities. You haven't got to think about what you really can do with the show, and instead, just do whatever the hell you want to do. That's what I was thinking about, and so, of course, my first thought was Cetacean Ops. Now, for those of you who are brand new here, Cetacean Ops is part of the Enterprise D, where dolphins, yes, actual dolphins, serve in Starfleet to help with complex navigational and mathematical problems like they, they solve them because they think in three-dimensional space and they're incredibly intelligent and it was written into the very fabric of star trek the next generation but never used because again real life show how do you make an entire room full of dolphins and i say room it was like three decks high it was referenced in yesterday's enterprise Jordy the forge asks somebody if they have seen the dolphins in another episode but we never got to see it and yet we still haven't seen it even on a show where they just have to draw it but i am very pleased to report that speaking to will wheaton yes that will wheaton of the ready room mike mcmahon confirmed that there is a cetacean ops aboard the uss cerritos they just haven't showed it to us yet they are not promising, but they are hopeful that sometime in season two, we will get to see that. And by we, I mean me. Flippers crossed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 